Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. My name is Tomo Lovrick, also known as T Love, in uh, vacuum repair circles, just in case you're wondering. And with me, as always, I have the wonderful, the talented. If you haven't seen it, actually, and this is not a joke, this is a serious thing, go to Sean Quigley on Facebook and watch him perform all sorts of musical theater because the man is just killing it. And can I just say that journey, that was, that was really something. That was really something. I, 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 heart flutter. So he is a jukebox singing, musical theater, managing, I almost said mangling, uh, managing a, 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 a talented guy that we all love and know as Sean Quigley, or as he's better known as the Quig in Space Shuttle Repair Circles. Sean, how are you, sir? Good, you know. Uh, <clears throat> keeping it together. Keeping it together. Uh, <clears throat> not, no, you know, no Coronas so far. Keeping it, uh, keeping away from the Coronas. Oh. Okay. The corona, sorry, the corona virus. Although my mother-in-law is convinced, she uh-huh. keeps talking to uh, my wife on the phone as mother-in-laws do, and she's convinced that my wife had the coronavirus in January, um, before anyone pre-China, like, like somehow maybe she originated it in Lodi, New Jersey, and then it got shipped back to Wuhan, and then made its way back over here again. All right, I'm going to do the Andrew intro, and I'm going to get back to that. Hold that thought, because I'm with your mother-in-law on this. Anyway. I think I had it. Whatever whatever she had, I'm not saying it was COVID, but whatever she had in January. We'll we'll circle back to this. And with us, as always, we have (laughs) the face of the organization. Look at that smiling guy. Look at him with with his shirt, with that beautiful artwork behind him. He is the face of this organization. It's kind of like the A team, but we're not the A team. We're like maybe the Q, Q team, maybe Quigley Q. I like it. Okay, the Q team, and he is just a, a, a marketing guy, a whiz guy, and that's because he gets drunk and pisses on the street. And we love him, and his name is Andrew Albagies, or AA, as he's known in retirement circles, whatever those are. How are you, AA? I'm doing well. Just <laughs> hanging out in those retirement circles and hopping on Zoom to talk with you guys. Excellent. What else, what else would we do? We can't talk to each other in person. I actually oh. saw a funny video somebody made of um, 
some woman was spoofing, uh, what is it called, like Dude Dad or something like that on Yahoo, and the wife was spoofing him during the corona whole thing. Oh, Jib Jab? The thing where you put your face over the cartoons? No, no, no. This is called literally Dude Dad. Oh, Dude Dad. I thought you said Dib Dab. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I was about to drink my drink and <laughs> talk about a drink. So anyway, first, before we circle back to every, all the little tangents we just took off, um, if you don't know our show, we do, we have a podcast, and this is a podcast, we will be putting these up on YouTube as well. We do a show where we go into the popular zeitgeist, we find something that's just like on everybody's mind, and then we put it in a cauldron and we stir it in with analyses and breakdowns and tangents. And then we figure out what's going on with this popular thing in pop culture that's happening. And that's what we call our show, What's Going On Here. At the same time, we, we review wonderful drinks of all sorts, whether they're cocktails, uh, beers, wines, spirits, whatever, we do that as well. This is a second part of a two-part series. Um, we were We started covering the Tiger King in the last episode. And as you can see, because this is coronavirus and we're isolated, we didn't have the same beer to share or the same drink to share. So we all decided to make our own separate cocktails. Um, I will start this round because we all did the last round and everybody had something different. Uh, Andrew had a wild turkey. Sean had a tab and a traveler's gin, right? Am I correct? Or traveler's club? Traveler's Club gin. Uh, my apologies. It's a fancy gin. You can probably only find it in its plastic bottle at a 7-Eleven. And um, I had the Manhattan, which I made with Jameson whiskey instead of rye whiskey. So before all the bartenders get on their high horse, I know it's supposed to be with rye whiskey. I didn't do it that way. So we will continue with our Tiger King coverage in this episode. But first, we will get to the drinks. Yes? And I will start with my drink, which I made. Um, this lovely thing here is called a Boulevard Deer. And if you're asking yourself, um, T Love, what exactly is a Boulevard Deer? And I will tell you this it's basically a Negroni, which we had a couple of episodes ago, but with whiskey instead of gin. So there you go. So it means it's whiskey. Rye whiskey, I don't have rye whiskey, so I used, I will plug them again, Jameson Black Barrel, which is absolutely delish on its own, if you want to have that. But it's whiskey and uh, vermouth rosso, Martini and Rossi, right here, and Campari. So it's one part Campari, one part uh, vermouth, and two parts whiskey. And that's my drink. Who wants to go next, boys? I'll go. I'll make it short and sweet. Um, yeah being that we are in these coronavirus times and I only go to the grocery store when necessary, I didn't have much to mix myself much of a cocktail. Okay. Uh, in the last episode, I had my wild turkey. And uh, with the exception of switching to either a vodka straight up on, on the rocks uh -huh. or um, a scotch, I have yet again kept it simple. And I've stuck with the good old-fashioned Wild Turkey 101 on the rocks. No need to complicate things. You know, I would say that's cheating simply because um, 
you're doing the same drink in two episodes, but <laughs> extenuating circumstances, so I will allow it. Sean, what do we got? Uh, <clears throat> I have kept it more simple uh, compared to last episode. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sticking with the old faithful, the Travelers Club gin. Oh, this time, delicious gin. Yeah, <laughs> this time I'm, I'm mixing it up with a bit of good old-fashioned uh, tonic water. Uh, yeah. So gin uh, and tonic. Gin and tonic. You know what? I realized I made a horrible faux pas in the last episode. We didn't grade our drinks. That's why I'm sticking with the same one. Well played, sir. Well played. Really? Well played. Yes. I, well, I didn't know we were switching. Okay. Sean, what do you give the tab and uh, Traveler's Gin? It's from zero to five. And let me write this down. I mean, it was, uh, it was liquid. Mm. So, I mean, I guess that already qualifies it to be um, a drink. A drink. <laughs> uh, uh, I would say it is <clears throat> it was a a solid 1.2 <laughs> if i'd have if i'd have been the adventurer that i am not i would have instead have grabbed a diet coke out of the fridge which of which we have I okay tab diet pepsi i'm sorry we have diet pepsi and we have tab the wife's drinking diet pepsi i'm drinking tab and you know, I think the Diet Pepsi would have raised it a couple of decimal points, like a couple okay. of... So you had a 1.2 for the tab and gin. Excellent. But this time you're doing uh, gin and tonic. Okay. Yeah. With the but same... I, ran out of ice. I don't have any ice left. So it's kind of... It's a little... It's like lightly chilled. <laughs> These are desperate times. <laughs> These are desperate times. Andrew, you are doing the wild turkey again, keeping it simple. Yep, so yep. wild turkey, you don't have to give us a, 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 a grade at the end of this episode. What do you give us for the wild turkey there? Um, like I think I mentioned at the beginning of the last episode, this is kind of a go-to for me. I'm a big fan of bourbons, and I think wild turkey is uh, underrated, especially when you, you account for the, how much it costs compared to some other bourbons. It's a little bit less for a really good bourbon, especially if you get the 101. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this drink... The little wild turkey. I like it with a with a little ice, but um, you know you can drink it however you want. So for me, that's uh, to go to, and I give it a four point five. Cheers. You give a wild turkey a four point five. Yeah. Out of five. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> This is Tiger King territory. All right, very good. <laughs> I will, I will give. I made a Manhattan, and like we said in the, in a prior episode, I made the Manhattan with Jameson Black Barrel instead of rye whiskey, which I'm sure they're gonna poo poo on me for it. And it had Angostura bitters and a little bit of vermouth. Um, so it was two parts uh, whiskey, one part vermouth, and then some Angostura bitters. And instead of uh, a cherry as a decoration or a citrus little uh, peel, 
I did cranberries, which was extra nice, and I really enjoyed it. And I'd give it probably a four four. Give that one a four four. The Manhattan. But we said, oh, we renamed Wild Turkey. It's no Wild Turkey, no. But I I named it the Murray Hill with the cranberries and everything. So I'm giving it a 4.4. Thank you, Todd. All right. So you got the grades from the prior episode early on in this episode. Um, and let's pick off where we left off with the Tiger King. Yeah. Where we left off was uh, Joe was in dire straits against um, Carol Baskin. She had him basically by the short and curlies. She won a court case. He owed her a million dollars. Joe meets a guy who supposedly has money by the name of Jeff Lowe. Jeff Lowe is a dude that dresses like he just came from, uh, I almost said Blink-182, it's not Blink-182. What was the other annoying like semi-punk hip-hop band? They did a cover of Faith by George Michael. Limp Biscuit. Hmm. Fred Durst. <laughs> He looks like he just came from a Limp Biscuit concert, and he's 63 years old. Um, and apparently, he's into young women all the time. His wife is, I mean, she is, she's a day over 25. I'm Queen Victoria. I, there's no way she's that old, even. Like, apparently, he likes really young women. And, um, like I said, he has the bandana with a baseball cap on. He's got like a, a, a jean jacket on. It's kind of like what I'd imagine a dude would look like in a Motley Crue um, tribute band. Like, absolutely. Tribute. He's like, yeah, his name's, you know, Chad and he's a, an accountant, but he yeah. lights as Tommy Lee in the evenings. Yes. I, in fact, we should name that band right now. I think they should call themselves Motley Band. <laughs> 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 like a great cover band for Motley Crue. They call themselves Motley Band. That's what I think. This Friday. Motley this Friday, Motley Band. <laughs> oh. Um Yeah. So okay. We did the drinks already, right? There's there's a lot of whiskey here and I don't know what I'm drinking anymore. Did we yes, cheers? We, did. we didn't cheers each other yet, did we? So the, oh this is the Boulevard Deer. That's what this was. Did I say that already? Yes. Okay, never mind. Cheers, boys. Oh, Sean. It's good. Fuzzy face juice, Sean. You will enjoy this. <laughs> Boulevard air, absolutely. That's my biggest problem. Not my biggest problem, but that is a problem for me right now in this quarantine. I don't have anything, not that I, because I never normally do, but I don't have anything to mix any drinks with. Um, I've got a little bit of like, lime juice and agave I've got to, to make margaritas, but with the exception of that, because at home I usually don't, I'll just drink, I'll just drink like a whiskey or something like okay. literally just like this. And now right. that I'm literally just stuck at home, I want to like try and create all these different cocktails and do all these different things. And, but I'm only trying to go to the grocery store every once in a while. Do you have a, so, do you have a tequila? Uh, I did. It's gone now. Oh. It's gone yeah. until the next run. I was going to say, one of the lovely, simple cocktails to do is pour some coffee and tequila. Like a shot of coffee and a shot of tequila. And it's just marvelous. Okay. I'll try that. So, 
if you get that. In fact, it became so popular because somebody was doing it that Patron put out a tequila that's with coffee already in it. I've had that Patron Cafe, yes. I believe they call it. That yes. is fantastic. It is yes. so good. So if you have a really nice coffee, go ahead, Sean. What were you going to say? No, just the idea of a Patron Cafe. I just love the idea of it. It's just a cafe where like half the patrons are just asleep. <laughs> it's just like, I'll have a croissant and a... <laughs> <laughs> the bottle is called Patron Cafe. But listen, Patron Cafe could be the complete opposite because let me tell you, nothing helps the hangover better than some greasy ass food. So Patron Cafe could just have like bacon and freaking eggs and that's it. Speaking of and, and COVID, I made the best pancakes the other day ever. Mm. They're paleo. There's no grains. It's pretty much just like nuts and cassava flour and that kind of stuff. And I put some wild blueberries that I had from Maine when I was in Maine last summer. Best pancakes ever if you get a chance and you see it bob's paleo mix get it and make some pancakes all right good stuff good stuff anyway Sounds good. so jeff Lowe, young wife uh shitty guy uh he, he liked to swing and he right swingers he very obviously said he's a swinger um he comes along he meets joe and he brings joe out to vegas he's based in vegas and it's a huge house with an indoor pool. And he shows uh, Joe like how the high rollers go. Jeff Lowe is also like a big cat guy. And he has been a big cat guy since his like 20s or something like that. And so he arranges a thing with Joe. Joe gives him the little cubs. And they go um, to Vegas and bring them to hotel rooms. And this is how Jeff like charges people to come to a hotel room to party and take pictures with little tiger cubs and lion cubs and leopard cubs and whatever else they had. And, uh, and also how to get girls in bed. And Jeff in a very classy and very husbandly way, standing next to his wife says, oh, well, you know, you get a lot of pussy by giving a little pussy. I mean, what a line. Well, I mean, you can't even write this stuff, I, honestly. And he's laughing, and his wife is just kind of like, mm. <laughs> "Yeah, it's like you <laughs> said that." And he thought he thought it was so clever. He did, he did. <laughs> but well, since you, you're you have your lovely lady next to you, ask her if that works. I don't have to ask; it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Right answer. Very good. See that? I think and I think if you if you um, if you find yourself a, a good woman, she's not going to be interested in exploiting small exotic animals. So, no, no. exactly. Yeah, a terrible woman. In which case, you just go. Oh, never, never mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so this guy comes along, and apparently he bedazzles Joe with all the money, and Joe brings him to the zoo. And Joe kind of offers a partnership. He says, hey, you want to partner in on my zoo? I've got 227 cats. We make money, blah, blah, blah. Jeff apparently says, sure, I'll do it, and I'll invest money. And at this point, Joe has had enough of Carol Baskin suing him because she won a court case. He's supposed to pay her a million dollars, and he wants to go into mediation to settle everything. And it's, and it's kind of pedestrian at this point. 
Like she's suing him because he used her logo um, for some videos publicizing uh, a, a roadshow of his where he, he took cats on the road. Because that was another thing we didn't cover that one of the first, I think it was actually the first time she actually came across Joe. She met him, we figured out who he was, is because he was running these roadshows to malls where he was taking these mm-hmm. animals to malls and then they got ahead and they used to call the malls ahead of the time and let them know what was going on um, and shut it down. Yeah. And they used, they used to make all their money doing that. Like he built up his whole zoo from that. Because yeah. they used to make a crazy amount. And you see them around here, like not with the big cats, but with like, you know, goats, petting zoos. It's the same, exactly the same theory. They make good money. They sit all the county fairs. They have like goats and sheep and like llamas or whatever. And just pack them into the back of the car and just be like, hey, here's a petting zoo. Give us five bucks and you can come and just walk around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So she wins. They're having this uh, mediation talk on the phone with the mediator, Joe, and Carol. And now, whether that's the case or not, they never went and got Carol's side of the story. But in this side of the story, they got Joe's side of the story, and we had the, the, uh, the conversation with you heard it on the phone and Joe kicked everybody out of the office except for Jeff Lowe and Jeff Lowe was sitting there because at this point already Jeff Lowe's a partner in the zoo. And so what they offer is they said, okay, we'll settle. You can pay us money by giving us some $5,000 a month, but you have to stop the cub petting pictures. You have to stop the breeding and as collateral, I want your parents' house. Which was kind of like, okay, you're not concerned about just kind of ending this. You want to destroy the guy completely because you want his parents' house. Which he should have been like, yeah, okay. Based on the first episode where he was like, hey, my daddy said that like, I couldn't turn up at his funeral because I'm gay. And then all of a sudden, three episodes down the line, we'd, we'd, we'd like see these pictures of his poor parents. Like, ooh. Yes. Like, I did think that was strange, right? That, that, that they kind of reintroduced his parents, which, I mean, granted, that was awful. Like them trying to take his parents' house and everything else and, and his mother. And Well, also, he took advantage of his parents. We'll get into that in a second. But I thought it was strange they brought that up, but never kind of readdressed what he had said in the first episode, like you said, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think there's a lot of, I think the problem, I think the main issue is that Joe says a lot of shit that doesn't necessarily line up with the truth. Right. <laughs> and hard to edit. Well, yeah. <laughs> and supposedly the reason why they were going after the parents and their house and everything was the majority of the paperwork and money spent and everything else. Joe was putting in his mother's name. Not only that, if you remember, to avoid all the lawsuits, because Joe was trying to basically have her run out of money, which he was just basically pissing in the wind, because he was trying, first he like signed over the ownership to John Finley, the first husband, if you remember, and then he like signed everything over to his parents. And And he had the guy managing the park, who we didn't talk about, who was this sad sack guy, the guy with no legs. Yes, yeah. uh, John Rankey, I believe, is his, John Rankey, who was yeah. the guy who actually, like, kind of, and he was the one that talked about, like, Joe 
in the most positive light. Because he used to say, like, look, Joe is what Joe is, but he really, like, looked after, like, a lot of these outcasts, like people that had, like, nowhere to go, nothing to do. They were at the end of their rope. Joe would come along and give him a job and give him a place to stay and give him some food and, like, all this stuff. John Ray was kind of his big fan because later on in court, he would say nobody ever asked him to testify. And the first husband, John Finley, said, like, there was no one there to testify for Joe as a person. Because mm-hmm. everybody was covered in their own ass when, ev- when everything hit the feds. So, yeah, that's right. They had a sob story with the parents where, because Carol was going after her parents and they did a Facebook fundraiser. And Joe was basically, he could not stay away from being famous and trying to make money for nothing, really, is, is, was Joe's problem. At what point, I don't know if this would have happened already at the point where we're, as we're recapping here, what point did uh, the studio burn down? Because we didn't address that's that. That's right. I forgot. Then, you know, that's before Jeff Lowe came on. You're absolutely right before Jeff Lowe, right? Yes. John Ranke, and I wanted to bring that up. That's an excellent point. John Ranke, uh, not John Ranke, uh, Rick Kirkham. Rick Kirkham, yeah. Used to run Joe's studio. They blasted out on the internet where he was constantly ripping on on Carol Basking. And somebody came along and you see a security camera that looked, quote unquote, like John Ranky and burned the studio because the studio was part of the zoo, burned the studio to the ground. And he had a bunch of alligators in pools in the studio and they basically cooked alive. And Joe turned on uh, Rick Kirkham and he said, you probably did this because Rick Kirkham, because Joe wanted to get out of the contract with Rick Kirkham, and Rick Kirkham told him, you can't. You signed everything over to me. I own you now. Yes. Yeah. he said. And Joe went to talk to his lawyer. And where that footage comes from, all, where all this footage comes from. Yeah, is, where did that come from? Right. Like, who was the guy with the camera? It wasn't Joe. Someone else was in the office with him. Because you could see Joe separately. And it was just kind of like weird. And his lawyer tells him. So he owns all this footage. It's like, yeah, all right. And the lawyer literally says, you understand what I'm talking about? And Joe says, yeah, I get you. And that's it. And they put that in the documentary. And I'm like. No, but he said, the lawyer said something to him like, he owns the footage. But if the footage weren't there, there's nothing he can do with it. You know what I'm talking about? Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Very much an insinuation that, like, if you get rid of it, what's he going to do? And yeah. then it burned down, and then Joe turned around and, and, and accused uh, uh, Rick that he burned it down. And Rick said he was in negotiation with a network. He didn't say which network. I'm guessing any of them at this point, you know, because they all just want schlock on their TV. And yeah. see. We, Right, which would have been worth millions, and he's right, it would have been, because everybody would have been just glued to the TV, look what Netflix did, and accused him of burning down, and Rick said, like, all his footage was in that studio, like, all his data, all his film. There's no way that Rick would have burned that shit down. No, Rick did not. No way. Joe burnt it down. Absolutely did. For the simple fact that all the footage was in the documentary. And I actually, Joe's the only person I trust out of that group of misfits to have the ability to know how to burn down that studio as effectively as he did. Because I've no doubt he could have got someone to do it for him. But right. I know for a fact, 
any one of those fucking people would have fucked it up <laughs> and burnt a bit of it. <laughs> like it wouldn't have come down like it did. No. Like Joe has got enough smarts. He yes. knows. No, without a doubt, Joe burned down the studio because like I said, in the documentary, all that footage, the footage of the girl getting her, of, of, of Sass getting her arm ripped off, all of that prior footage. And they were like, all the footage burned down. And I'm like, We've just watched six, seven episodes of the footage. What do you mean it burnt down? Where no, it wasn't the, the, the documentary, the documentarian. That was, he was making, his, his footage was separate from the, yeah. the reality show, no? But like, yeah, it, it was separate. But the whole thing was the footage that Rick was talking about, in the footage, you're like, did you get all this shit? Did you get all this shit? That was stuff that Rick was doing because Rick said they were shooting what Joe wanted and he had his crew shooting while they were shooting what Joe wanted. Mm, okay. And there was some of it, you're right. So Joe, so they got the footage that was burnt up and put it in the documentary, very obviously. And it's just kind of like, where did it go? Where did it come from? And I mean, it all ties up at the end. And I'll bring that up when we get to the end of the whole thing. But um, so, so uh, uh, this place burns down. And Joe's offering $10,000 for information leading to who did this. And they uh, uh, started up the cable show. Some random guy came along and he built the whole studio again for Joe for like seven grand. And he said, it's like $120,000 worth of stuff. And they said, why did you build it for him? He's like, I like animals. It's like, uh, okay. I, it's not like the money's going into the animal's pocket, but all right, dude, whatever. You know, I mean, you do what you want to do. From that point, they're trying to insinuate that Carol Baskin burned the studio down. And I'm kind of laughing at this point because I'm like, this woman is so slick. This woman is so smart. There's no fucking way in hell that she would hire or even think of anybody to burn. What's the purpose of burning down your studio? That does nothing for her. Absolutely nothing. There's no motive. There's no reason for it. She has nothing to do with this. Joe. 90% of the things he's producing out of the studio are what are going to incriminate him in court at a later date. <laughs> That's what it was. That's right. Because they even brought that up because they said they were going to subpoena basically all these films and all this stuff to show him being violent towards her. And, 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 and you know, um, like the lawyer very succinctly put uh, Don Lewis's lawyer because Carol threatened Don but they didn't do anything because they didn't have enough to put a restraining order against her. And the documentarian said, like, she threatened him with a gun. And the lawyer said, it's free speech. We don't punish free speech. We punish after something's been done. And that's it. So it was the same thing. It was just kind of like, Joe was like, uh, I can say, you know, I was doing all this stuff, but unless there's video evidence, you can't really nail me for that. And, oh, conveniently enough, a fire burnt everything down. Yeah. So that, like, like I said, I had sympathy for Joe, and then that happened, and I was like, okay, you know, he's a shyster, just like, like, this is one giant, like, where's Dr. Phil, and why wasn't Dr. Phil ever consulted in all of this? It's like, come on, man, it's like, somebody's got to talk to these people. Anyway, so from here, Jeff Lowe comes in, he's going to put in money, and in order to, because the trick was for Joe why he moved the ownership to John Finley and then he moved the ownership to his mom. Every time he did that, Carol would have to re-initiate uh, 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 a lawsuit against whoever owns it now. 
And every time I guess to file it, it costs money and you need lawyers again. So he was hoping to basically burn her out of funds by doing this. And like we said, she gets 50 grand a week in donations on Facebook, which is to me is insane. It's like, I, I can't even think like, like where, where's all this money going? You know, it's like, she's not paying anybody on, on in the park. Where's all this money going? You know, just to feed the animals. It, it, it's almost bizarre. That beside the point. Um, Jeff Lowe comes along. He's going to invest money. They're having the, the, the meeting with the mediator. The mediator says they want the five grand a week. And Joe basically says, you're basically telling me to stop making money. And I'm somehow supposed to give you $5,000 a month. And then they say, we want your parents' house for collateral. Jeff Lowe jumps into this conversation. That's the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. The mediator says, who are you? You're not supposed to be on this phone call. Get out. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, last time I fucking checked, I'm in a free country and I'll be wherever the fuck I want. And it becomes like he's got big money. And they even say it. Joe apparently thought that Jeff had so much money that Carol was going to get scared. Joe has no idea that Carol has enough money to buy them all out probably 10 times over. Yeah. And Jeff and Joe signs over the his park to Jeff. It was in that call as well. It was so funny because it made me think it was like such a high school prank call to the pizza hut. Because it, it was like the moment Joe Exotic trusted him. He was like, yes. the moment I trusted that guy, he picked up the phone. He was like, give me the phone. He was like, hey. And the media was like, um, who are you? And he was like, it doesn't matter who I am. Tell, 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 uh, tell Howard his, uh, we ain't going to listen to a goddamn word his cunt wife has got to say about this shit. <laughs> That's right. And, and, yeah. and Joe is going like. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the media is in the other phone, like, <laughs> like, hang up, please, <laughs> hang up, please. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you right. <laughs> right. So Jeff is there. Everything's going good, or somewhat good. And Joe gets in his head that he's going to run for president. He gets the dude, uh, Joshua Dial, from the, the weapons counter in Walmart. That's his campaign manager. They're running campaign for president. We mentioned this in the last episode. They even do, do a bit on it on John Oliver's uh, last week tonight. Joe's running for it. Apparently, Joe's spending money making T-shirts and everything with money from the zoo, which is a big campaign finance no-no, like a federal offense. Jeff finds out, freaks out, confronts Joe about it because Jeff apparently is on parole for choking his wife. So, should do that. so right away you're like, okay, this guy's trash, like serious trash. He has a bad limp. This guy's trash. And Joe is intermittently, we get conversations of that Joe's having with the documentarian from prison. And he's like, yeah, these guys, like, this guy's bald and he's got a bad leg and he's bald and he thinks he's sexy and that's why he keeps on trying to sleep with young women and this ain't happening. And you're just like, what the, what, what's going on here? Anyway, so you find out and they have the court case from Jeff and the judge basically tells him he has to stay out of trouble for, I think he's on probation for a year, I think they said. And if he violates it in any way, 
he's going to have to serve 179, so a day short of six months for assault, for choking his wife. Jeff starts taking over the zoo. He brings in his guy. What was his guy's name? Like Adam something? Let me see if I can find him. I forget. But it's Alan Glover. Alan Glover is his name. Yep. And he's a dude who spent a lot of time in jail. And apparently Jeff kind of scooped him up somewhere along the way and kept on giving him jobs, kept on giving him, like, looking after the dude. Dude has a teardrop tattoo under his eye, which in, in prison parlance mean you kill somebody in prison. So you're not, you know, it's like you're not afraid to, like, snuff somebody. Um, I understand the, like, the idea behind that. Um, it's easy being someone outside of prison saying, like, that's what that means. But surely if that actually was true, we knew it. Like, how did he ever get let out of prison? Surely if you go up against a pro board, they're going to be like, why, do you, why is this guy sitting like this the whole way through the parole meeting? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I agree with it. I'll tell you why, Sean. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. In prison. I'm sure like, the parole board would know. They'd be like, is that for murdering someone in prison? They'd be like, no. Wait, but do they the whole... get the teardrop tattoo while they're still in prison? Or is it after they get out? No, in prison. Yeah. Then I'm with Sean on this one. I think it's an urban legend. Seems stupid. But, I mean, that's the whole thing. If no, no one's going to talk in jail, who do you know who killed them? They just have a dead body. <laughs> Yeah. Alan Glover does not like Joe one bit. He doesn't do anything Joe says. Joe's getting pissed off about the whole thing. And Jeff is kind of like, at this point in the documentary, Jeff is kind of the reasonable guy. He's like, oh, well, yeah, I know, whatever, but we're going to clean up this park and make sure it gets back to its good grade, blah, 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 blah. Come to find out that Joe used Zoom funds to finance his presidential campaign, which is, like we said, a big no-no. Jeff has a confrontation with Joe, big blow up, because Jeff is obviously going to be in trouble with um, the law if he's connected to this. It comes along, what was his name? James Garretson, who's a strip club owner and also owns animals, exotic animals, for some fucking reason. I don't understand why all these people own all these, like, like uh, 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 lemurs and fucking baboons and whatever. It's like, why? What, what, what is wrong with you people? Why can't you just have a fucking dog? What, what's wrong with a dog? This guy comes along and they're talking about, because Joe's always talking about trying to kill Carol Baskin. Which pretty much to er, er, anybody you can hear from or talk to and see what he's doing. So this is just a blowhard. Just talking shit. He obviously would never do this. And they said, Jeff pulled up the Google Maps to show where Carol uh, 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 um, rides her bike. And somebody can just like hang out in the bushes and, and cap her from the bushes. And supposedly Travis, Joe's husband, says, oh, I could do that. And Joe yells at him and says, no, you couldn't because then you'd be in jail, stupid. You can't do anything. So, supposedly on the way, Jeff, Joe asks Alan, Jeff's handyman, if he'd do it for five grand. And Jeff said, uh, Alan said, yeah. And Joe gave him three grand up front. 
which is like, you can give somebody $3,000 and expect them to kill somebody. It's like, what are you doing? That's like, it wouldn't even get you like a Toyota Camry. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a name. <laughs> uh, um, and Jeff the whole time is talking like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And then um, the feds, who did it come to first? Was it uh, Garrettson, the fat strip club owner, or was it Jeff? No, it was Garrettson. Garrettson. And the feds come to Garrettson because they can nail him because he bought this lemur for some fucking reason with, with bogus papers. And you're like, what? Why would you buy a lemur with bogus papers? I, I, I just don't understand. Anyway, so he said he's going to turn informant. And the interesting thing is the documentarian is interviewing all these people in between. He's interviewing Saf. He's interviewing John Finley. Oddly enough, he never, well, it's not oddly enough. Um, I was going to say he never interviewed Travis, but that's not oddly enough. And that's what I was saying. That's why, the, you know, the footage wasn't the documentarians because he never interviewed tra Travis. Mm. All of that was Rick Kirkham's uh, footage. So he's interviewing John Finley. And he says, yeah, uh, 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 Garrettson turned a federal informant. And John Finley's like standing there. And every time they're interviewing, he never has a shirt on. And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck was with that? I, 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 looked, I don't get it. There was an article about that online. And um, apparently, he, um, he's, the thing he's most proud of is his tattoos. And he made it very clear to the documentarians as they were making it. He's very proud of his tattoos. And he's very self-conscious of his teeth. Um, but he's very proud of his tattoos. And apparently it's a big thing within tattoo culture to be proud of your like, work. So he saw him being topless was his version of like, showing off his artwork in the background. Like, that was why. It wasn't like he was just some redneck, because apparently people were asking officers, like, who's this guy who's like, like redneck? And he was like, but I like my, my tattoos. I'm proud of them. I just wanted to show my tattoos. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Look at all my artwork. <laughs> exactly. We're so proud of it all. <laughs> Fair enough. And he says that John Garrison turned federal informant, and you see John Finley go, like, stop, and just like, what? So stuff was happening. So that documentary was going on when the shit was hitting the fan, basically. Five years, apparently. They filmed for five years. Netflix. That's right. That's right. They said that, yes. John Garrettson goes to Joe and even brings in a Fed posing as a hitman to try to basically entrap him into hiring a hitman to kill Carol King. Which I'm like, how is this even legal? What are you doing here? You know, and Joe doesn't take the bait because you, Joe's full of shit, as we all know but by watching this, that he's, he's, he's just all talk and, and no show. Travis, Joe's uh, husband, we find out now that John Finley, first of all, John Finley knocked up the girl that worked the front register. And then they interview him again. He says, I've dated a girl since I, was in, like, since I was in kindergarten. I like girls all the time. And it's like, oh, which was a very funny thing, which my wife pointed out. She was like, yeah, when you get to like into middle America, nobody cares. It just, 
if somebody's giving you something, you kind of give them a piece of ass in return. That's okay. just how things work. It was like weirdly unhomophobic, like amongst all the craziness. Yeah, right? No homophobia, with the exception of like the dude with the teardrop was the only guy who I got a glimmer of like, I don't, I think he's the one guy who doesn't like gay people. <laughs> like, but you know what? Yeah, nobody cared. How nobody funny that like, there were these like really bizarre, like rednecky type of people. <laughs> and at no point, the most you heard anybody really even address that, that Joe was gay or had two husbands or anything else was the fucking John Oliver thing when they showed that. Yeah, it's true. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. No, nobody, nobody gave a rat's ass. And I think part of it had to do because they had guns. Maybe. <laughs> hey, I'm as gay as a $3 bill. <laughs> he said that. He literally said that. So... Um, <laughs> At this point, I think the presidential campaign's over. Travis, they were talking about Travis. So John Finley knocked at the girl in the front desk. And Travis apparently slept with every woman in the zoo. <laughs> yeah. And and Joe's kind of finding it out. And Joe even says it to the documentarian at one point. He says, you know, if John Finley left me for another guy, that'd be all right. But the fact that he left him for a woman, that really irks me because I can't compete with that which really worried me when he said that line because I couldn't not think of him doing a Silence of the Lambs sort of situation to try and compete. <laughs> and I did like that imagery. <laughs> it puts the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose. <laughs> you see, people, this is why... <laughs> this kind of accelerated our process to get to the video. This is the gem you get right here. Do do a little more dance, Sean. Do a little more. There we go. <laughs> so, anyway. so um, Finley does leave him. Yes. For a woman. Yeah. In fact, and so now at this point, I think the presidential campaign's over. Joe's going to run for governor. And Travis is like a prankster and always is pointing his gun at everybody. And he's in the office with the campaign manager, Josh, and points the gun at Josh, and Josh kind of gets pissed at him. And there is a, a security camera that Travis is sitting under, so you don't see him at all. But the security camera's on Josh, and Josh says, and he's recalling it, and he says, dude, stop pointing the gun at me. You know I hate that. And supposedly Travis says, ah, oh, dude, it's a rude, it's a, it's a ruger. You know, these things can't fire without a clip in it. Then you hear a bang. And apparently Travis put the gun against his head and blew his head off. And Joe was so distraught that he went and found a husband literally a week after they buried Travis. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he married within a week? Did I miss that? Or did I screw that up? Or I don't know if it was a week, but... I think he was married. I think he had went on a date maybe a week after. He went on a, a date, yes. 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 It was like a month or something, though. It wasn't long. No, no, no. It wasn't long at all. And that was the thing. They showed Travis's mom, who worked for Joe. And he had her, like, at the wedding, at his new wedding. And she said after that, he never talked to her again. 
Well, he invited her to the wedding, right? She showed up and she thought it was going to be a big wedding. There was no one there. There was no one at the ceremony. It was like new guy's mom, new guy, Joe, and Joe's and Travis's mom. I don't even know. And he took the wedding guy. photos and she said, Travis's mom in the, in the documentary said, um, he basically said he just wanted me there so that people would see in the pictures and be like, oh, Travis's mom is okay with it. So I guess I'm okay with it. And then he never spoke yes. to her again. Yes. And that's, that's why I think it didn't happen very long after Travis was dead. Mm -hmm. He made a big show of, of showing Travis's tribute. They, they cemented his ATVs on a little like stone mound and it was crazy. And then supposedly, uh, apparently every year, Joe would do a Thanksgiving uh, dinner for less fortunate people. And he kind of like fell apart outside and people were saying, ah, he was just putting that on. That wasn't just a, a, a thing at all. So, okay. So now he has a new husband. Well, he was definitely gay, by the way. That's the one thing I would say about the new husband, as much as he found him very quickly, is I think he definitely found an actual gay person this yes. summer. I was, watching, I was like, that young guy's gay. Yes. He found yes. one, finally. Good job, Joe. Good job. Good job, Joe. Very exotic of you. And, 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 and to say, and I mean, of the three, he was easily the most clean-cut normal one of them. Yeah. Right? Because Travis definitely looked like he was a meth uh, Not Travis. Uh, John Finley looked like he was a meth head, you know. Uh, uh, Travis looked like he was a stoner from California, which basically what he was. And this guy just looked like he just left college two weeks ago. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just like, all right. So uh, Joe's got a new husband and he takes his husband's last name. And um, Jeff now is pissed off because he found out that Joe was using campaign funds and the feds are investigating they got John Garrison to try and entrap him, trying to hire somebody to kill. Joe offers Alan, Jeff's guy, three, five grand to go kill Carol Baskin. He leaves, and they come down, and they basically – Joe comes and moves a bunch of his cats. He sells a bunch of his cats. He grabs a bunch of animals. He lets them go, and he disappears. And the documentarian is following him somewhere around southern Oklahoma or something like that. It was never disclosed. Uh, undisclosed location in Oklahoma. It's like, oh, okay, undisclosed, whatever that means. Well, they were pretending they were in different places. There was this great, I love, <laughs> it was a great bit where they, were, they had pictures of them in like the ocean. And they said like, hey, we're signing it up in like Barbados or whatever. And then it was like, I forget who it was. It was like. Garrison. Garrison. He was like, that's Florida water. <laughs> 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 it's like what <laughs> what <laughs> he's like you can't fool me that's Florida <laughs> right it was like all of a sudden it turned into the Pirates of the Caribbean I was like what What do you mean you can't so you can't fool me yeah you're absolutely right he's like that's panhandle water if I've ever seen it <laughs> Gar I love Garrison he's amazing <laughs> Garrison as much as he's pretending that he was like coaxed into this by the FBI like he was dragged in like sort of Goodfellas style by the FBI. Yeah. Well, you know, the second he got a call 
from some guy from the FBI. He put it in his contacts book on his phone. Yes. Yeah. Like, Jason, parentheses, FBI. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, each one of these guys is a drag queen, a <laughs> drag queen, because each one of these guys wants so much fucking attention, it's just ludicrous. It just is. So we get to the point where Joe's on the run. Jeff owns the zoo. Now Jeff says they're going to move the zoo somewhere. And Garrison says, um, why don't you move it closer to the Texas border? People in Oklahoma don't have money. People from Texas have money. And there's like a, I forget what the name of the casino was, some big casino right on the border of Texas and Oklahoma. And he said, oh, I'm going to, if we build there, people will have money. So they found a place, it was like some 47 acres, about the same size as Joe's thing was. And they're going to go do it. And Tim Stark partners with Jeff Lowe. And he comes in, he's like, yeah, we're going to do this, and I need a partner, and blah, 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 blah. And they're kind of insinuating a little bit early on, Jeff is saying like, yeah, we have some shouting matches, but we get back to it and everything's okay. And Jeff is kind of happy, and the wife is knocked up. And he says, oh, my wife says she wants a babysitter. I get to pick the babysitter. And shows a picture of a girl that, like, she came right off of freaking Reality Kings, uh, 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 like an 18-year-old porn star. <laughs> he says, well, she wants a helper, and I get to pick it. Because once uh, you're done with this baby, you have to go back to the gym. <laughs> and can I tell you, Nothing infuriated, nothing infuriated me like that statement. I was, and I always, since I was a teenager, I hated these guys, these assholes who would say this stuff. It's like, especially like guys like Jeff. It's like, dude, you look like a chewed up float on a fucking <laughs> line. You look like a sack of shit that someone ran over on the highway. You have no right to talk to anybody about what they look like. Like zero, none whatsoever it's like just that was of all of the shit that happened in this in this uh series uh, this is not the worst necessarily but that was one that was like one of the most vile thing like when he was talking about the nanny and he puts up he puts the phone up yes picture up just like you said tomo like i just like i mean we knew this dude was just like I knew, like, this doesn't change what I thought about him because you knew he was just a piece of shit sleazeball. But right. something about that and the way he said it with that fucking grin where he yes. was so happy about it, like, well, she's going to be living in our house. She might as well be hot or whatever the fuck he said. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like you the same as me. But, like, that just got me, like... Dude, I got he so got, heated. I saw an article. He got that babysitter. There's an article online where you can see an interview with the babysitter. He hired her. <laughs> so it did happen. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, she had the baby and he got the babysitter. And it is that babysitter she had the picture of. He got the young babysitter. Yeah. Wasn't that the way? And this is where I got confused because he was with two women in the beginning. The woman that was pregnant was the woman that he was choking and got the probation with, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. He got married. He got married. To, they got married after the documentary was made, and they had a kid. I thought they were married from the during the documentary. I I thought so too. Um, I think they were. I think when they introduced Jeff Lowe in this in this thing, he was already married to her. Oh, okay. But man, 
it, either it, way, I don't know. Something about it, it just like. Dude, it's it's just like, like I said, every time I see that, every time I hear, every time I hear some fat, slovenly middle-aged guy like myself talking about like some, <laughs> some, some freaking girl who needs to lose weight. It's like, fuck you, you fat piece of shit. What do you think you are? It's like, look at yourself. You meaty-breasted zilch. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I get so angry. It's like, ah, oh, sorry. I'm cussing too much here. Sorry. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and his family dressed up as uh, characters from the Tiger King. Uh, what? In, in, for fun. Yeah, it's on, it's on, like, you can Google it. Sylvester Stallone and his family, because it turns out he's got, like, two or three daughters who are grown up, who are, like, yeah. you know, very beautiful young uh, women. Yes, gorgeous, yeah. Because he's got this amazingly, you know, like supermodel wife who's too young for him. Um, but it, they're all dressed up as Tiger King characters. And it's like his wife is Joe and like all his daughters are different characters. Um, oh no, what, it's his wife is Carabaskin because they have the dog dressed up like a, a lion. <laughs> he is um, Jeff Lowe. And he looks amazing. He's wearing the bandana with the baseball cap. And like, he has the goatee and he's like, <laughs> as Sylvester Lone. It's perfect. So funny. That's fantastic. But they're making a movie. And people are going to be clambering over themselves because it came out after this happened that this whole thing was an offshoot of a podcast, funnily enough, that um, there's a podcast company that have done these one-off series is kind of like serial where they focus on a true crime thing and they make a limited series about this one subject. Um, and they had a, their biggest, their big first success was a podcast called dirty John, which I didn't listen to, but my wife didn't. She actually told me to listen. I never did. Um, but it was a big hit, like a true crime thing. And they made a TV show. They got a TV show off the back of, this podcast, Dirty John, on one of the biggest networks, like a limited series thing. Uh, and they did another one and it also got a little thing. And off the back of that, they did a podcast on Joe Exotic. Um, it was about the Joe Exotic thing. Cause so my wife knew all about this before watching the thing, listening to the podcast. And off the back of the podcast, they were making a made for TV limited series based on the podcast about this whole shebang. So they were already doing it before Tiger King ever came out. And Kate McKinnon from SNL um, is the executive producer and signed on to it before Tiger King, anything else happened. And she's playing Carol Baskin like that. This was months ago before it ever happened. So Kate McKinnon from SNL is executive producing this limited TV series based on this true crime podcast about the whole case. She's playing Carol Baskin. Um, and now people are clambering to be cast in it, to play. Like, did you see that whole thing? There was an argument between Edward Norton, Ed Norton, and um, all these people that want to be Joe Exotic. What? <laughs> Wait, they want Ed Norton as Joe Exotic? Ed Norton wants to be Joe Exotic. It was, um, I forget his name. Uh, again, my wife's a big fan. Uh, Kristen Bell's husband. Um, what's his name? Dak oh, Shepard. Dak Shepard. That yep. chef came out and he said, if I don't get to be Joe Exotic in the movie, then like... Dude, he would right. be perfect for it Joe Exotic. He had a picture of him, like, you know, like photoshopped and it looked perfect. <laughs> and then um, Ed Norton tweeted him back saying, you know that you're too young 
good looking and buff to play Joe Exotic. If anyone's playing Joe Exotic, it's me. Uh, and then there were all these different people clambering over it. All the yeah, all these different people, and uh, he even got back to Joe Exotic in prison. And they asked him, but apparently he's having a whale of a time. He wants. I saw it's like a headline, doesn't he? he wants like uh, uh, um, who's he want? He wants David Spade. Brad Pitt. He wants Brad Pitt to play him. One and and Joe Dirt as number two. Didn't say David Spade. He said. Brad Pitt or Joe Dirt? <laughs> David Spade is Joe Dirt. That's pretty close. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you who the best Tiger King would be. I forget his name. Welsh actor. Oh, uh, we see Yes, he was the, uh, the Professor Connor in the reboot of Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. He was the lizard. Yeah, yeah. He would be the best Joe, uh, uh, Joe Exotic. Another one that was floated around that would be really good that they were saying in this whole thing, all famous people like vying to try and be him, was Billy Bob Thornton put his. Oh mate. man! He was like, man, if anyone's going to be Joe Exotic, it's me. <laughs> I was like, oh. He <laughs> would be good. And you know who would be the best Bhagavan Doc Antle if he could only get the accent right? Dig up Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, man. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger would be the best Doc Antle. Are you kidding me? Yeah. With the big wig and just like, because I mean, Doc Antle is just like a big guy and just freaking let him just get fat and just put him. I was like, yeah, and, and all the tigers, yeah. Wow. I saw them, they were casting at the head um, on one of the things I said, Jim Gaffigan would be a great Doc Antle. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I thought that when you just said when you just said Philip Seymour Hoffman, I was thinking, I was thinking uh, Jim Gaffigan because he looks just like the light. Yes. All these people different talking, and they, they did like a whole best of casting, and they, for John Rinky was Matthew McConaughey. Oh, he just looks like him, and he'd just do the whole kind of like, yeah, hey, you know, I ain't got any legs, and like, you know. Oh. <laughs> This is true. This is true. Let's cast it. Let's cast it before we finish. Let, let's finish the episode. So, um, where did we end off then? Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Jeff Lowe was talking shit about his wife and showing the whole freaking uh, 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 video. Next thing you know. Wait, wait, wait. This might be breaking news. I'm sorry. Bring that thing. Hold it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Potential breaking news. The headline, I don't know how legitimate this is. When is it from? Does it say? Okay. April 8th. That's today. It's from today. Orlando Bloom in line to play Tiger King Joe Exotic in new movie. That is a great cast. <laughs> Orlando Bloom looks like him. That is Dust. That is amazing. That is fantastic. Thank you. You are our very own Carol Baskin, Gabby. Thank you. <laughs> hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> Orlando Bloom, that, dude. Because he looks scummy already. I mean, he's just. <laughs> he does. He money. He really needs that money. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Orlando Bloom is perfect. Um, 
Okay, so Jeff Lowe, Jeff, what's his name? Jeff Lowe, yeah. Made the stupid statement about the wife, infuriated me. He's talking to the feds. Garrison's trying to set up Joe. Joe gets arrested, tossed in jail. They talk about the whole trial. Carol's ecstatic. This is the part that I was just like, I was trying to reserve judgment, the whole thing. The fact that Carol and her husband pop champagne, and I'm just like, do you really need to, like, in front of cameras, let everybody know that you're that fucking petty, or? Well, in theory, they were popping champagne to celebrate that he got arrested before he successfully murdered them, right? That At least that's... What about? With champagne? Hey, if I knew somebody was trying to kill me, and they did not succeed and went to jail, I'd pop a drink. Yeah, but I mean, would you have somebody like documented for posterity? No, but I mean, I think we already know this Carol Baskins character loves being in front of the camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? The whole thing was all of it. It seems so, it's such a bullshit move. To try and kill Carol Baskin makes no sense. Like, it, it would be so much easier to like, to, to, if you were trying to correct the whole bullshit, is just to get to fake someone coming out to say that they had evidence that knew that she killed her husband or something. Or if you're gonna kill anyone, just kill her new husband. Just be like, kill him. Yeah. Why try and kill her? Like, kill him, he seems easy enough. And then, and then you get the double, because then you can be like, oh, the another husband's been killed. I mean, that's how I'd do it. <laughs> Can I just say? Go ahead. Hold on. I did find the yellow pages. Find the FBI number. I'll be right back. <laughs> I, I just have to say, while pretty much everyone in this entire series, documentary, whatever you want to call it, not everyone, but the majority of them were just awful Awful people. Vile individuals. Yeah. Surprisingly, one of the people I hated most, not to take away from anyone else that I hated, because I, I hated a lot, I would probably hate a lot of them, especially the animal things, and we can get into that later. Carol's husband, not the oh, one she killed, but the one that was with her. This fucking guy, he just <laughs> pissed me off. The whole show, like this, how about it that when he was like, well, here's, here's a, this is champagne. We don't usually pop it for, except for special occasions. And he poured, and then, and then it cuts to him singing to her. I was like, this, you fucking loser. Shut. He, he, I could not stand this guy. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100, 1000% with you. He. <laughs> Seem like such a fucking little squid. That he did. Thank you. I am hoping like a tree falls on his head. Like, <laughs> like oh my god. He the, at night he covers himself in catnip <laughs> <laughs> and just rolls around on the bed. Going... Exactly. It's like this cast of characters, with the exception of Don Lewis's Don Lewis's assistant his handyman and his mechanic and 
the basis for Tony Montana. Besides those people, everyone the dude with no legs. I kind of the dude with no legs. Uh, yeah, actually, he was the only. Well, I shouldn't say he was the only guy. He and the guy who was the head keeper, Eric Cowie. When like at the end, he testified against Joe in prison because like the thing they bagged Joe basically most for was the fact that he killed for five tigers. Yeah. That, guy, that was the saddest part of the whole thing is seeing that dude at the end in that motel room, like, Hattered. surrounded by liter bottles of vodka. I don't know if you saw that. There was a by his bed in his hand. There was one over on the other side of the bed. Like, that guy drank three liters of vodka in that room. Like, yes. He, I, was, I said that to him. I was watching it. I was like, I don't see that guy coming out of this. He which was. Guy, I, I missed this. This was which one? The, the guy who was the head keeper, the one that we said that looked like he was a uh, uh, hair for for poison, and he went and to- testified against Joe and John. Yeah. Finley, no one was there to testify for Joe, and the manager of the place, Ranky John Ranky, he said that they were gonna. Nobody called him to testify for Joe. Yeah, he was distraught about the whole thing, but the guy Eric Cowie. He was very obviously just completely and utterly in the funk over the fact that these tigers were killed. Because he even said, it's like, have you ever walked a tiger or a lion? And he was basically saying, like, how, what a magnificent thing it was. I said, the, the, the tigers were looking at him in the eyes while Joe killed them. And he just never got over that. And that's why he testified against Joe. I mean, everything in it is like everybody lost. Like, so, so there's Saf, she's sitting there. She's trying to say like it was a nice place, but she lost an arm. You know, this dude lost, a, 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 couldn't get over the fact that the cats were killed. I mean, so many lives destroyed. John Ranke left his wife. Yeah. Because the stress of everything was just too much. And everybody started covering their ass because nobody wanted to go to jail. Even like the campaign manager was saying, the feds came up to him and he was like, you know, fuck the government. I'll be the first to say that because I'm a libertarian. But the feds came up to me and said, you know, you're either on team fed or you're on team Joe. Which in itself is kind of like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> What's going on here? And then they showed the prosecutor. What was her name? Amanda Green. You know the prosecutor? She had the very severe short haircut with the red hair. And she had a very... Very alto voice for a woman, and she was mm. like, "She is so damn sexy." I don't even know what the show. <laughs> I was really just enjoying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, I, I picked out for a second there. I'm sorry, people. I'm really sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he was just sitting there describing all the androgynous features of her and just thinking, oh. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask her, like, when she watches porn, which one does she like to watch? The guy with the big wang or the guy with the little wang? <laughs> I love talking about the court and all that. I thought it was hilarious where everyone pretended or genuinely seemed really shocked that Joe Exotic... Um, took the stand <laughs> like has anybody been spending any time with him for the right. past have you he met him? a song at the funeral for his husband after he blew his brains out just to promote his own fucking country music career he took the stand no one expected that he represented himself like, yeah <laughs> like he's about to go to prison he's not going to get up and 
But well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. He brought up great points. He brought up great points in the documentary. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to another judge and the judge throws the case out, case out, because he said, like, wait a minute, uh, Alan, whatever his name was, Glover, said that he went to Florida to kill her, but he actually just went to South Carolina instead. And they're like, the dude perjured himself on the on, on the witness stand. What's that all about? And I was. Yeah, what is all that about? I mean, yeah, it is. It is amazing that he didn't get like a mistrial or whatever. Right now he's trying off the back of the documentary and people seeing all this stuff. He's he filed for like a a million dollar lawsuit against the state of Oklahoma or whatever, and he's filing for he he's appealing to Trump. Unfortunately, him it's not really a good time, but he's a, he's appealing to Trump for a presidential pardon, and he's trying to get you know all this stuff. Apparently, he's been taking emails because he can get emails and stuff and and fan letters. He's been that a- would be the ultimate. Just, I don't know, twenty twenty or just <laughs> whatever. This just the world we live in right now. The peak of <laughs> our culture right now would be Trump pardoning. Joe Exotic after the Netflix documentary. Wait, I got one better for you. Trump dumping Pence for re-election and picking Joe Exotic to be his VP. That's right there would be the peak of it all. I mean, here's his future. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, I... So so much of it has gone wrong. Like I said, Carol Baskin, without a doubt, there's really fishy stuff. There's the whole, if nothing else, like I said, I never met the woman. I could be wrong. To me, she seems psychotic, a psychotic of the highest order. And the fact that the will said in case of death or disappearance. Yeah. That is just, that's almost I, a cry for help. I don't think she killed him. Um, I think the guy 100% was offed by a cartel by drugs I, i'm sure he was into drugs and he got killed by so like it's no coincidence the guy was going back and forth to costa rica he had multiple planes he had all this money like and then he just disappears like who's really good at making people disappear and no one finds shit like there is there is that, that i mean that's that that's another plausible theory I, i'll accept that i'll say one thing though that really just one thing. There's so many things about this that, that, that are wrong. The one thing that bothered me, the reactions to Tiger King. So, in, in, I mean, in conclusion, the Tiger King, this is the most fucked up thing you'll watch this year so far. It's only April, just so we're clear. The thing that bothered me the most that I saw with the reactions to the Tiger King, I saw somebody post the whole thing, like uh, 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 a girl took it to the Me Too level and said, oh, I love how during this whole thing, the thing that people took away most and got the angriest most is that a woman possibly killed her predator husband 20 years ago. And I was kind of like, wait a minute. I'm the first one to stand up for me too. But somebody is not okay. I don't care what book you're talking about because this is kind of the path to fascism. It's like, oh, let's just kill him because he did... He pursued me when I was on a street. And like I said, I'm just like, 
first of all, that's the wrong message you got from that because she got in the car with him and slept with him that night while she had a gun on him the whole time. She, in her words, like I'm not putting words in her mouth. So I don't see how this becomes a me too. It, it's one of those things with the outrage culture that bothers me. The girl said like, oh, this is what everybody got out of it. No, if this is what you got out of it, you're not thinking clearly because clearly what's really wrong with this whole documentary is all the animal abuse that went on. You know, the poverty that's clearly shown, like there's way more uh, uh, important subjects that are being displayed in this documentary that should be taken away from this documentary than the fact that a, a bunch of freaking psychotics are at each other's throats. I, I almost think we can probably, we'll probably get into this more as we conclude, but um, it's just a shame that so much other crazy shit happened because without all of that, you would be paying more attention to what is going on with these animals. Yeah. And after the first episode and there are glimpses of it and there are a couple moments that are just awful, the whole series is not about the animals. It's about these crazy people. Right. And I honestly, to be honest with you guys, like, and I want to make sure I say this while we're, while we're on air here. After I watched the first episode, I was just so, I was genuinely like appalled and upset at like what was going on with these animals. That if we weren't doing this show and I didn't have to watch all of it so that we could do this podcast, I don't think I would have watched the rest of it. I was like, I was just so, I mean, and I knew other people that were like, oh, it's like, it, you got to watch it. Um, it's crazy. Like, you won't believe the shit that happens and everything else. I watched that first episode and I went into it like, I get it. Like, I, I know I like animals and everything else. I'm not going to worry too much about that. I know the show's not really about that. That first episode, yeah. I, was, I was so appalled. And I was like, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this happens. Um, yeah. Well, it says at the end, the end of the series that there are like whatever it is, it's like five times as many tigers captive. in captivity in America than there are in the wild. But it, but the weird thing is, Joe Exotic or whatever has all these parks. The vast majority of these captive tigers are just living in people's houses. Like yeah. there are people all around the country that just have these. Um, did you see tr even Trump? was on like a, this stupid fucking press conference recently. And he mentioned about it. Someone asked him a question or he brought it up or something. And he was like, he was like, he's like, well, yeah, did you even know you can get a tiger? Like, uh, oh, no, it wasn't Trump. It was, it was Junior. It was Don Junior. It was on uh, John Oliver. They were talking to John Junior in quarantine. And they were like, so what have you been doing? And he was like, well, we watched the Tiger King. And they were like, what did you take from that? And he was like, can you believe you can get a tiger for two grand? Like a tiger? Like, who knew? $2,000? I mean, that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. $2,000 is a lot of money, right? Yeah, but for a tiger. And I'm like, oh. Well, right. I mean, because it's a great point because Carol Bass is going to shut down Joe Exotic. I think the numbers were something like there's 4,800 tigers in the wild, and the U.S. has twice that number. Yeah. Joe Exotic has 227. Bhagavan probably has another, I don't know, 150. And the other guy, uh, Tim Stark, has another, I don't know, 100, let's say. That's, that's what uh, uh, um, 
500 tigers. There's still another 9,500 tigers. In <laughs> Who's got them all? Well, to Sean's point, $2,000, I thought that when I was watching it, $2,000 is not that much money. No. Like some stupid asshole. Why do people spend that on a <laughs> For real, people do. People spend $1,000 for a purebred whatever. For sure. For a tiger? Any dumb, any stupid, anybody out there could save up their money and buy, just buy one if that's how it's going. How appalling is that? It's, it's, look, there's so much wrong with that show. And I think people are getting outraged about, you know, one thing or another. One, something's going on with Carol's husband and disappearing. <laughs> um, the, the animal abuse was just horrid. And here's the thing, though. They kind of addressed it towards the end of it because they showed footage of Joe when he first got into it. And you see him, he's kind of like bushy-tailed and bright-eyed, and he's like, there's no reason all these tigers should be in the U.S. They should be in the animal, they should be like in nature where they roam free. And you're kind of like looking like, what the fuck happened to that guy? Yeah. It's like he got so caught up in the, the money, whatever, the excitement, the, the fame, fame the, exactly. whatever it was. All, we, all that went out the window. He yeah. says that with the chimp. Seems like, you know, I, I had these two chimps who I was closing up the zoo, and I had these two chimps that sat next to each other in two opposing cages that never met for 10 years. And I never had them in the same cages because I always assumed that they would go after each other. And they sat there for 10 years next to each other and they ate right in front of each other. And then I moved them and they went to some rescue down in somewhere. It was a monkey rescue. And the first day they put them in the same enclosure. And the first thing they did was like hug or whatever, or like play with each other. Yes. And he was like, and that, and it just made me want to, just, I couldn't believe that this is what I did. And no. you know, I mean, again, knowing Joe and what he's doing now in prison, it, it was, I think part of it was an act. I think part of it was real because they showed him like, because he like got up and ran away from the camera and puked at one point yeah. and he teary eyed when he was talking about the chimps. And I think he realized for a split second, because I mean, this is what happens to people for a split second, they, they, they their conscience gets the better of them. And then it just get, it turns off and, and off they go back on the track that they've been on the whole time. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's an awful, it's one of, to bring, to bring up the Irishman, it's an awful people, it's an awful movie about awful people. <laughs> it's just, it's all it is. I, Doc Cantor's place is still open right now in Florida. What's you, that? Doc Antle's place is open right now in Florida. You can go there and visit. Really? Yeah, but, during this. Because they said he got raided in December. Yeah. No, it still goes strong. I looked, the first thing I did is look up everyone, what they're doing. Doc Antle has a whole thing on his page about coronavirus and how he's still going. <laughs> right. And he got raided because, was it when, with court? With, with Joe being in court? They were saying that, like, after the Cubs, after the, this is awful. After they were not so cute, Doc would just euthanize them. One of the girl in the first episode, the second one, the one that said she got a boob job. Yeah. It was a cub that she worked with, and that's what she was talking about. Yeah. He did everything. The cub did everything she wanted to. She, like, completely bonded with this cub. And because that connection was so close, I guess Doc didn't like it and took the cub away 
and said he sold them to somebody, but somebody said he got euthanized, and after that she left. Um, it, it's 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 terrible because they do they just do it all based on money. It's it's the worst thing ever. I mean, yeah. honestly, but I mean, you know, these are terrible people. But you see it all the time. You see people get dogs or cats, and they don't give a shit about these things. You know. It's like they'll just freaking let them run or whatever or just keep them in an apartment. I mean, why do you think Cesar Milan became famous? It's like spend time with your dog. Your dog wouldn't be a fucking psycho if you fucking treated him like a, like a, like a living being. You know, you can't just stick him in a room and expect him to just be there. Yeah. You can do it. I mean, just look at COVID-19. People are going nuts here just like asking them to stay home for two weeks and watch TV and eat food. I mean... <laughs> you know what's a dog gonna do oh one thing this is going back a little bit but we were talking about um carol and if she killed her husband and all that i saw a video this morning that was like the things that they laughed out of the of tiger king and yeah, supposedly cool. carol has said that her husband her ex-husband the, the husband that got killed done done Basically, she said in the documentary they didn't focus at all on the assistant. And it is, at least to her understanding, that the assistant was responsible for him getting killed. Look, there's a bunch of theories there. I will say this. They talked about, I, I looked it up, uh, when, when the guy, like I said, who's the new sheriff in the county, and he was a narcotics officer, yeah. They offered Carol, uh, they asked, I shouldn't say offered, they asked Carol to take a polygraph test in 2011. And she said no. And I know there's the whole, well, there's a precedent, you can't just give up your rights and let them take or whatever. But from my personal point of view, if my wife had disappeared and the stain of me murdering her was around for 20 plus years and someone said you want to take a polygraph test i'd be like fuck yeah let's take the polygraph test because i still don't know where my wife is and you guys haven't found her for me because <laughs> that's your job. You're supposed to find what's that say that again i can't believe they still do polygraph tests like for legal things it's not for legal things i mean polygraph tests if you're psychotic enough you'll pass it every time if you're a good enough actor. And I mean, that's what I wanted to bring up about Carol, right? We're actors or we've been around actors and we're filmmakers and we've done stuff and whatever. Like I said, everything she's done to me seems contrived. Everything no. she said, everything is so calculated. In fact, so much so that if she was on stage and was doing this, I'd be like, she's a terrible actress. We're not casting her. Yeah. You know? The, the, none of it. I get the feeling. I get the feeling that she she did. She was in theater in high school. She's one. No, it's not even a joke. She's one of those. Yes. No. You're right. right? It's like at whatever job, and it's like, oh, I'm good at public speaking, and then she does it, and she's okay at it, and it's like afterwards, you're like, oh, you did a nice job, so and so, and she's like, well, I. I was the first in my drama class when I was in high school. So I have experience in front of audiences. So I'm good at that. 
<laughs> Andrew interview. Uh, Andrew Andrew have very obviously had a couple of interviews before the shutdown came down, and he's really annoyed. <laughs> I just, I just. But no, you're absolutely right, and I think you're absolutely right because of exactly for the thing you brought up with Howard singing to her, like, "Oh, I love thee," blah blah blah. It's like, shut up, let a tree drop on your head, you fucking asshole. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's. So much of that is wrong. Joe, every time I thought like, it was like he's the only sympathetic character in this whole show, he would do something and I was just like, oh, he's just a fucking attention hound. That's all he is. Yeah, I had the same thing. I, I definitely had moments where I was like, he's clearly like got a lot of issues. I don't like what he's done. But there were moments where I'm like, ah, oh, but like, I see why he is the way he is and I feel bad for him. Yeah. And then like, Later in the episode, or the next episode, he'd do something else, and I was like, "Forget, no, I don't oh, fuck fucking you. do that to this guy." It's like, "Fuck you, Joe." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm. It's it's it, it's so. It, all of it is. I, I'm trying to think of it. When you looked at it, with the exception of Saf and John Ranky, was there anybody in this documentary that wasn't using somebody else for something? I mean, maybe uh, Carol's late husband's assistant. She right. seemed, who knows, who knows, but she seems legitimate. But I mean, really, that's it. To me, she seemed, to, to me, she seemed the old, her, his old handyman, his old mechanic, Saf. And, and I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about anybody that was in it from like in every episode? You got, you got Saf, you got, um, what's his name? You just said. John Rinky, is yep. that it? And yep. um, she wasn't in every episode, but maybe the 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 assistant to to Carol's late husband. I mean, other than that, there were a couple people that were in for like one or two sound bits, but like I feel like the the Walmart guy, the kid, the campaign manager, like I feel like he was a good sounding board for the fact yes. that people accuse Joe Exotic of a lot of things and there have been a lot of things recently if you look online of people saying that Joe Exotic is way worse than they showed on the, on the show because they want you to like him and his niece or someone or a bunch of people have come forward and said it was way worse than what you saw on Netflix like Joe Exotic is a lot he's not a good guy did all this bad stuff but that one dude I kind of got the feeling that he was pretty I don't think he would have kept doing the job right. if he didn't like Joe Right, like I get the sense they kind of liked it, and he wasn't really getting much. I mean, he was kind of just like, "Look, I work at Walmart. I kind of like it's a bit of a dream for me. Like, I like the idea of working in politics because, you know, I'm like a libertarian. I kind of I'm into it. Like, I kind of I felt sorry for him more than anyone because yeah. out of anyone, we talk about genuine emotion when he was recalling seeing the guy shoot himself. Like, I was like, oh. Right. I'm Right, like he was obviously really, really. Dude, when that, when that happened, I I had to pause the video for like a good five minutes because what the fuck? I had to replay it because I was like, video, this and he's just like, <laughs> good like minute, just standing there like this, and you're like, oh boy, did this guy just blow his head off? And I'll tell you what, too, that was that was a weird. That was weird seeing that because that was very clearly like the security camera footage because there was no, there was no dramatic, it wasn't dramatized. No one was, he literally just like, like if that were a movie, he'd be like, it would have been a whole thing. But he literally just like 
the dude was in shock. Completely. He his head and he froze. Completely. And there was nothing. And, and with that, you were like, nothing about this seems contrived. Like, at, at the very least of anything else in this documentary, this little yeah. bit of um, security camera footage or whatever it is that we're seeing, like, this happened. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and to both of your points, uh, he actually says it, like, towards the end of the documentary, the, the, the kid, Josh, who was the campaign manager, he says... The biggest crime here is that Joe was completely set up. Yeah. And to me, I was kind of like, because like I said, what all tied it in is because his current husband, and I forget his name, took the documentarian to some lockbox somewhere. And there are all these hard drives there and all these documents. And Joe was basically like, I got 20, 34 names, 27 names, whatever the number was, that he was going to rat on everybody, basically whoever he sold a tiger to. And that included Doc, that included Tim Stark, that including whatever other zoo there is around the country. And he said, and the documentarian said, what's this about uh, Doc euthanizing five cubs? And the current husband just snatched the papers out of his hands. He said, oh, you're not supposed to see that. And when I saw that, the lockbox with all the drives, and I was like, oh, Joe definitely burned the studio town. This is where all the stuff is. So all along, I think Joe was hedging his bets. Wisely so, if you ask me, but I think he was hedging his bets all along. He definitely took the fall. I think that guy's right. When you look at everybody else, I mean, it doesn't mean he shouldn't be in prison because they all should, but he definitely took the rap. When you look at what other people are doing, what Joe Exotic was doing was a lot more was a lot it was a different thing to what dog antler is doing like mm. that guy is his crimes are way larger when you consider just the sheer number the amount of money that guy's making and he makes a lot of money he packs out that park like I said, it's still going now like coronavirus people are still going down there and he has and it costs what was it it was like general admission is 150 dollars a ticket or something well he said it in the documentary he's thousand dollars just he, to like said, to pet the cubs it was like over grand wasn't it no 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 he said it's for for the personal pet uh cu um cub petting thing was like 350 but he was t he said at one point in the documentary to the documentarian he said i have people who paid 650 dollars a pop today mm. Six yeah what yeah yeah he makes a lot of money yeah and He's got a good facility. Like you look at it, you can look at it online. His website is professional. The stuff he does, it looks incredible. And he has real legitimate people. I, I was looking on there, The Undertaker, that is in like The Wrestler from WWE, uh, posted like a few weeks ago, whatever, went down there with his wife, who's an ex-wrestler, uh, to Doc Antle's place. And there's video and of the undertaker swimming in that pool with tigers and being like, Hey, I'm the undertaker. <laughs> and it's, and it, it's a conservation video. Like he does it for the version in Doc Antle's mind. He's like, I've got the undertaker here at my place, but they do it. They're like, Hey, we're getting here for conservation. And they're like, Hey, we got to save the tigers. Like they're, you know, tiger, blah, 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 blah. And the undertaker has no one, you know, whatever. But it's, um, Oh, that was the another thing about Joe Exotic that isn't in the documentary. Me being a pro wrestling fan. Of course, Joe Exotic 
is a pro wrestling fan. Of course he is. He's from Oklahoma. He held independent wrestling, um, independent wrestling uh, fights, uh, events at his zoo. Um, and he was the commentator. And it's all on YouTube. And there are several wrestlers who are now in the WWE now as professional, like big time wrestlers who wrestled back when they were just indie, like amateurs at Joe Exotic Zoo. And Joe Exotic is doing the commentary. Like that exists and it's on YouTube. I so many episodes lined up. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) I have to see that. So now that you said that, and I know you're a pro wrestling fan. Some friends of mine who had their own wrestling federation called the EEW. And there's a website somewhere, I'm sure, Extreme Entertainment Wrestling, and just look that up. And I'm just going to leave that there. Just go look it up. And you'll find El Fidro and El Gidante and all these other guys. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's that whole thing was so screwed up. Like I said, I'm glad they opened up the investigation with with. Uh, 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 Carol Baskin not necessarily to prove that she's the killer but like the guy said it's like because this is now in the zeitgeist maybe people will come forward and say something because it is a 22 23 year old case the guy disappeared Um, of the most unsympathetic they're all unsympathetic like I said Doc Antle the charisma that oozed off of him was unreal to me, you're like he is. If he, if if he wasn't into exotic animals, he'd sell every used car in America in like two weeks, like literally, like because the guy like he was so earnest about everything he was saying. You were just like, oh, this must be the way it is, and it, no, this dude is just another shyster, like all of them are. They're just making a shitload of money doing it. Hmm. So. So, before we conclude what's going on here with uh, Tiger King, why don't we grade our second set of drinks? Uh, Andrew, you already gave us your grade. I didn't know I was supposed to get another drink. Uh, 4.5, that's a very high drink. A friend of mine, uh, Melissa, you're going to be very happy. My my nickname for Melissa is Wild Turkey, but uh, that's besides the point. Uh, Sean? You have nothing, nowhere to go but up because you went from a tab and gin at 1.2 to uh, gin and tonic. And mind you, this is high quality Travelers Club that comes in a 1.5 or 1.75. What, what, what size is that bottle? Uh, 1.5. 1.5. 1.5 liter um, number five PTE bottle. Uh, it's recyclable. Uh, Sean, what exactly is your grade for the gin and uh, tonic? Um, it's definitely better Um, I wish I had more ice that would have definitely improved I wish I had a wedge of actual lime as opposed to lemon uh, lime juice Um, having all these things considered it would have been a higher grade than it was but it was better than it was first time around so I can only grade it for what it is and I would give it a three ooh that's a hell of a jump, dude. It's, a, I mean, it's it's hard to know what I would have graded it if I hadn't have started with a, a gin and tap. <laughs> but, um, it's true. It w- as we always say with our grades, th- this is a very um, a curved grade. 
curve, shall we say, whichever way it works. But yeah. Okay. Uh, Andrew, you still at a 4.5 for the wild turkey, I imagine? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. Okay. All right. Um, and I had the um, a Boulevard Deer, which is a really fancy name for a uh, Negroni with whiskey instead of gin. Pretty nice, I have to say. Um, I it's it's almost almost interchangeable because the Campari and the Vermouth have enough strong flavor that whatever the underlying booze is, it kind of gets lost anyway. Mm. Um, I didn't have it with the orange peel, which would have been better. But uh, I'd give I'd give it a I'd give it a four three, which like I said, it's a Negroni with whiskey instead of gin. I give it a four three. So, all right. gentlemen, what are we talking about? What's going on here with the Tiger King? That's the number one show on Netflix. I might point out. Yeah. Well, one thing I feel like we should we should quickly address is where we all stand with what we think actually happened with Joe going to prison, because I don't think we really quite got into that. Okay. Do we think he was? Do we think he? really wanted to kill Carol? Do we think, you know, all that, which I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off real quick. I, I won't take too long. I do think, I do think that he said a lot of stuff. I think that he obviously made all of these threats and, you know, all of his, um, his internet show and all of that, where he's talking about killing her and everything else. And I think he was glad to talk to anybody who talked to him about killing her. Do I think he really genuinely wanted to pay someone to send them to kill her? Not really. Did he give the dude $3,000? Yes, I'm sure he did. Um, I don't know that at any point he genuinely was like, I am paying you to go and kill them. I think that's the other people. I don't know. Maybe it was kind of a whole contrived thing. I don't know if anyone ever actually planned to kill her. Um, but I think that Jeff Lowe and those other guys totally knew what was going on before they even came into the picture. They knew that he had been talking about killing her. Um, and I think they just saw an opportunity there to kind of get rid of him through that. So, that, you know, I, I don't think he's innocent. I think Sean made a good point that regardless of anything, he should be in jail, but I don't think he, he's the only one. And I don't think he genuinely was like paying someone to go and just offer. I don't think it's that simple. Yes, I, I, you know what, I, I'm with you on that. I think he's a blowhard, very much so. Addicted to the money, addicted to the camera, addicted to the flashy lights, addicted to the fame. Um, and Doc Antle actually brought up an excellent point. And he said, that's just so stupid. At one point in the documentary, he says, who do you pay $3,000 to go kill somebody? Who do you pay $10,000 to go kill somebody? We're to, if you're going to pay somebody to kill somebody, we're talking at least $100,000. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Easy. At least. Because if you're going to, if you're going to risk 20 to life, it, it better be worth my fucking time. $3,000. $3,000. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, you could win that on a scratch off lottery. Yeah, yeah. Stop. Just stop right there. So, yeah, I don't think he really wanted to kill her. I think he just wanted attention to himself. Mm -hmm. Just 
the most ridiculous attention whore. And I was looking that up. Um, they had the four questions with him, like, what are things like? What are things like with the new husband? Blah, blah, blah. He just loves the limelight. He can't fucking get away from the limelight. And he will keep doing whatever will keep him in the limelight. So if at one point it seems like the limelight's going to go away, he's going to say, yeah, if I had $100,000 to give somebody to kill Carol Baskin, I would have done it. And he will say it because what does that mean? Nothing, you know, in the end. Um, like Sean said, do I think he deserves to be in jail? Yeah. The, the point in the show where that was most disturbing to me was the fact that they were filming the tiger. And I think it's Joe's like, put the camera on her ass. Put the camera on her ass. You can see her ass. And she's pushing the kit out. And they're pulling the kit. It's like newborn kit. And they're pulling it out of the den and under the face and tuck it under the fence and tucking it under the fence to pull it out. I mean, they go to jail for that alone. I was like, what are you doing? It's bad enough you're keeping all these animals caged and you, you pull. No, sorry. It's, I mean, if you want to see the right way to do it, you want to see the wrong way to do it, watch a couple of episodes of The Zoo on Animal Planet and see what they do. And the only time they take away the, the, the kit or the cub or whatever it is, the baby, is if the mother rejects it. Because they take it, then they take the baby away so that the baby has a chance to survive. Because if the mother rejects it, the baby's not surviving. That's just that. Mm. Oh, I mean, does he deserve to be in jail? Yes. Do they all deserve to be in jail? Most likely. You know, um, I don't care what their affinity for the animals are and how much, but, and it showed it at the end of the show. Joe at one point really cared about the animals and all that went out the window when the lights came up. The limelight came on, and that was over. So do I think he should be in jail? Probably. Do I think he wanted to kill Carol Baskin? No. I, I think he's just a blowhard, like a lot of guys are blowhards when they just can't keep their mouths shut. And he's definitely one of those guys who can't keep his mouth shut for, for love or money. You know, he's the guy that if he's confronted with a dude who's going to kick his ass and do say, say one more thing, and he'll be the dude saying one more thing before us, you know, this caves his nose in. Yeah. He's those people. So, Sean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, I don't think he, I don't think he wanted to kill her. I don't think he tried to kill her. There was a, there was a point in the show where he was bitching and he was speaking through Jeff Lowe and he wanted the handyman to like do some stupid fucking job on the site. And he was refusing to do what he wanted to do. And that was his right. little job. He was like, yes. can you tell him to get fucking down here to fix this fence? And he was like, tell him I don't fucking work for him. I don't want to do whatever the fuck he does. And I'm like, at what, at what point did suddenly he was going to go to a different state and kill someone for him? For right. like no money. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. Like, Because even if he was going to hire someone to kill him, never mind the money. At the very least, you've got to hire someone that you either completely trust or you have no ties to. Why do you pick someone who you, A, don't trust, and B, is one of the four guys who is like you're spending all your time with? It doesn't make any sense. So stupid. Like, it, 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 yeah, that doesn't make sense. He wouldn't have done that. Um, I think there are certain elements of 
what he was tied into illegally that he went to prison for or whatever but I think even though I disagree with it and he should be in prison for an amount of time probably a handful of years uh, for the animal you know abuse um, there are some things that I think I'm like yeah it's a fucked up situation but I don't think he should have been incarcerated for just like for example the euthanizing of the tigers when they said that like oh he sh you know shot the tigers or whatever and they're saying he shot these tigers and he said it himself he was like look you know these tigers were sick they weren't going to get better you know you shoot odd yellow around the back of the house and the fucking the police don't put you in jail they're like just because they're tigers like you know I, I get it I understand that it sounds terrible because it shouldn't have happened in the first place. You shouldn't have all these tigers. But in the real world, as gruesome as it sounds, shoot the tiger in the head. I mean, it's just that's the easiest way out. Yeah, that's just life, you know. I mean, it's whatever. I don't agree with it, but there are people that are paying thousands of dollars to go to Africa and shoot these animals in the head who are in the wild, <laughs> and then they're not getting arrested, <laughs> you right. know. So yeah. they're literally Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> like, you know, so it's kind of, yeah. a, I don't, I think he's in prison for the wrong things. I think he probably should be in prison, but not for any of the things he is in prison for. Um, and because I believe in the legal system, technically he probably should be exonerated because I don't think any of the things he's in, is in prison for is the right things. And I don't, and I don't believe that it works that like, yeah, you should be in prison. So therefore you should stay in prison. I know that the American legal system tends to work its way that way. A lot of the times they're like, well, yeah, he probably deserves to be there, but that's not how it works. If the things you were convicted for are not things you should be in prison for, then you should be let out of prison. It's just the way it works. So, you know, it's like, well, uh, uh, can I just point out that Amanda Green, the federal prosecutor, I thought she did a bang-up job. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> you can't with that. Let me tell you something. That, ooh, uh, okay, never mind. There's been too much black barrel uh, consumed tonight. I, I'll stop talking right now. Um, We're all in the same boat on that one to hard school. So, I, I mean, yeah, and I agree with everything you say, Sean. It's, it's, all of it is screwed up. And I mean, they brought it up in the case and originally they were saying like, he talked on the phone, it's like they're threatening him with 79 years and he got 22 years. And what was it James Garretson was saying like, he was like, uh, you know, like, yeah, I kind of was involved in this, but I don't want the guy to go to jail for life for this. Because that was one of the things, why they got him on the tiger euthanizing and they got uh, Eric Cowie, who's the head keeper to, uh, to be the witness. They got him basically on the tiger euthanizing because the, the murder charge wouldn't stick. Because if the murder charge were going to stick, well, what did you need to f look for the tigers for? And they said it. It was like, you, you got no case here. And then, of course, they're probably going to have to reopen it simply because uh, uh, the dude who went, Alan Glover, who took the money and went to, quote, unquote, Florida, didn't. And he even says it in documentary. I went, he says, well, I guess I pussed out and, you know, chicken the fuck out and went to South Carolina instead. It was like, so he was never there. So where's the, and not only that, you're, you're putting the guy who hired him to go to jail for murdering him 
why isn't he in jail who went to murder the person? Because he pulled a deal. Jeff Lowe, that was part of the thing. Jeff Lowe pulled a deal. He was like, that was the whole thing. He was between, you know, that trio. Yeah. One guy, Jeff Lowe, and the other guy, he pulled them all together. Jeff Lowe was on the phone. He's like, look, listen, you're going to answer every question they have. And you're going to like, you're going to play games so you don't go to jail. He even said himself, he was like, hey, I knew I could go to jail for this. And I knew very quickly I was going to just nod my head and say yes to everything. It's, it's, it's another case which, fortunately, it's one of those things, it's like the school system. It's like, oh, how many A students do I have? They're all A students. No, they're not. <laughs> they're just not. They're not all A students. If they're all A students, you wouldn't have to teach the class. It's one of those things. Like, it's okay. The majority of the students should be C students, not A students. And kind of the legal system works that way too. It's like, oh, what's my success rate? How many people I throw in jail? No, that shouldn't be your success rate. Your success rate should be how many people are not breaking the law. That should be your success rate, not how many people you're throwing in jail. But, I mean, that's, that's how these prosecutors work. Unfortunately, that's how the system grades them. And they'll just go out of their way to put somebody away for whatever they can, even if they can't nail them for the right thing. Yeah. All right. So that's our two cents on this uh, public phenomenon, the Tiger King. Uh, we had our drinks. We had, it's, it's, I, every time I look over at Sean's screen, and I don't know, Andrew, if you can back me on this, I feel so wistful with all those birds floating above his head. It's, wow. it's, it's, some would say it's. Even, even with our new, even with our new backgrounds, with you and I trying to yep. have a nice aesthetic behind us. He just kills it. He does. He's. He is he is the Kylo Ren star <laughs> Ray. That's 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 all. Well, on that note, I think we can call it off, gents. Thank you once again, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Hopefully, in person, sometime soon. Hopefully, everybody, stay safe. Stay distant. Wash your hands. We love you. Be smart about this. Listen to the experts. Experts, not the politicians, the experts. Thank you. See ya. <laughs>